Well, good morning, Chillicothe Bible Church. Good morning. Uh, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things. Kurt mentioned both of these at the beginning, but you'll see this big banner back behind me. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. We're going to celebrate uh, missions and uh, how you can be involved in mission around the world. Uh, I think Josh and I are going to talk a little bit about India. There'll be all kinds of different international food from uh, uh, different places that we send missions um, all over the world, uh, stuff from Africa and from India and from prison and from uh, <laughs> Indonesia and a whole lot of things. If you've never had a prison bologna sandwich, you can have one right here. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, I've only been to prison once and it was as a visitor. I do not want to go back. Um, but uh, but the, uh, the other thing I want to mention is the Wild Game Feast. If you have not ever participated in that, it is a great time, great opportunity. This is our fourth one, I think. And we have um, a couple guys coming in named James and Chad Hampton who are uh, with a ministry called uh, Hunt, uh, Hunting the Truth, uh, which is about um, pursuing a relationship with God. Uh, just like you would, uh, if you're a hunter, pursue an animal in the outdoors, there's a, a way of going about that um, that will lead you to success. And so their their purpose is to help guys uh, understand that, and uh, they'll share the gospel uh, as part of that. Uh, but also, uh, it's a whole ton of fun. Uh, I will make my uh, locally famous squirrel gumbo, and um, you know, you think that sounds gross until you eat it. Uh, because there is never any left, and I have to have somebody in the kitchen set me aside a bowl so that I get to have some uh, every year. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have we'll have chili. We'll have uh, we'll have a variety of venison burgers and that kind of thing. There'll be pheasant pot pie, I think. Some uh, uh, some various waterfowl dishes. Uh, duck and whatnot, and uh, it'll be a good time. And also, I want to mention this to you because this week, uh, we've been selling sick tickets for two weeks. We are about halfway sold out. So if you, um, well, we've still got a month to go. So if you are interested in going and you don't have tickets yet, I'm going to mail out about 300 postcards to previous attendees this week. Um just to let them kind of know, hey, this is when it is, this is when it's coming. A lot of those folks will probably buy tickets. So before I do that, if you want tickets, tell me how many you want. I'll set them aside for you. You can pay me later, but make sure you communicate with me how many you want before I send these postcards out, because otherwise um, we may be sold out and you may be caught short uh, on being able to go. So Anyway, um, it is a lot of fun. Uh, so let's pray, and then we'll talk about prayer uh, here uh, this morning. So let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you that I am uh, so blessed to be among your people, uh, worshiping uh, you with them, and part of this uh, faith community here at Chillicothe Bible Church. Uh, Father, we love you, and we are excited to gather together and praise you 
uh, with one another and to learn from your word. We pray, Father, that you would help us uh, to learn from your word uh, here this morning the things that you have to, to say to us about how we should speak to you and when and why. And Father, we, uh, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide our time here this morning, help us to celebrate you and all you've provided for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, about 20 years ago, Karen and I were on our very first missions trip. Uh, we went to Mozambique, which is a country uh, on the Indian Ocean down in uh, the southern part of Africa. And uh, one of the things that I did alongside some other men was teach, uh, teach classes at a local Bible college. Uh, I taught theology, and one of the other, one of the other men there uh, taught a six-week course on prayer. And in the middle of it, one of the students asked the headmaster, why is Dr. Allen teaching us about prayer? We know how to pray. We just speak to God from our hearts. And the head, headmaster's reply I thought was priceless. He said, well, you're Africans, and prayer is hard for Americans and white people. <laughs> and... And I think he's right uh, in some measure that, uh, that prayer is hard for Americans and white people. Um, and in fact, I think it's not just hard for them, it's hard for everybody. Uh, it is hard for, for Europeans and Indians and Africans and uh, Chinese people and Latin Americans and all kinds of people. It's hard to actually consistently conduct a prayer life uh, with God. Hard to, hard to grow also in your relationship with another human being, isn't it? If only one of you talks. Some of you women are, are nodding your head right now, and you're looking over at your husband and giving him the elbow, right? <laughs> um, I see you out there. Uh, it's hard to grow in your relationship with another person if only one of you talks. It's also hard to grow in your relationship with God if only one of you talks. And last week we looked at the Word, and, and through the Word, God talks to us. Through the Word, God talks to us. So if someone says to you, I wish God would speak to me, you can hand them their Bible and say, He did. It's all in here. He spoke to you. He, in fact speaks to you through it even today. Amen? How many of you that are reading the Bible through in a year this year are experiencing that as you read, God is talking to you through the Word right now? You don't have to raise your hand, but Melissa, praise God. Brad, praise God. Uh, God speaks every morning as you open your, your Bible up and, and ask Him, invite Him by His Holy Spirit to speak to you from his word, he will be faithful to answer that prayer. But in a relationship with God, there's an inhale and an exhale in our spiritual breathing. Amen. There's an inhale of God's word and an exhale of we talk back to God about what is on our hearts too. And despite this being one of the basics of the Christian life, this is probably one of the, um, the hardest aspects of the Christian life for many Christians. In fact, I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said, I know of no other question 
that will induce more guilt and and tearful testimony among Christians than asking them about their prayer life. Because everybody feels inadequate when it comes to prayer. So, uh, I want to, to look at this issue of prayer. And there's the Scripture speaks about prayer in just a voluminous way. And we could pick I don't know how many hundred scriptures uh, we could pick from. I mean, the entire book of Psalms for 150 chapters is nothing but lyrical prayers to God. Uh, There are dozens of prayers by the apostles recorded in the letters. There's all kinds of other uh, instruction about prayer given all throughout the Bible. But we're going to pick one passage to give us kind of the basics of what prayer is and how and when we should pray. And that's it. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Uh, if you've got your Bible, I'd like you to flip over there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And this is a good verse to memorize. If you've done 2-7 with me or one of the other folks who've been through that, uh, this is one of the verses that you memorize. Um if you haven't memorized it, it'd be a good one to memorize. Uh, if you're into tattoos, get it inked on your arm so you can see it. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a good one to have somewhere where you can remember what it is that it says. And this is what God's word says. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now verse 6 there, if you notice, begins with a command. Do not be anxious about anything. Now let me let me just ask a question here. Is that counter to or in agreement with the way that you and I normally go through life? Are we usually anxious about everything or only occasionally anxious about some things, right? Uh, I would submit to you that in a country in which 15% of the entire adult population takes anti-anxiety medication, <laughs> that that we need this verse. We need this verse. Do not be anxious about anything because our normal natural tendency is to do the opposite of this, to be anxious about absolutely everything, whether it is something we can control or things that we can't. If we have kids, we worry about them. Amen? If we aren't married, we worry that we might never get married. If we're married, we worry about our marriage. Uh, If we lack friends, we worry that nobody will be our friend. And if we have friends, we worry about them and the things going on in their lives. We worry about our church. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our economy. We worry about the country. We worry about our house when it storms and, uh, and about our life back home when we go on vacation. 
which we do to get away from our worries. Right? Isn't that funny? You know, we go somewhere to get away from it all, and we always take ourselves along. Because the biggest source of our worries is the one that looks us in the mirror every day, right? We worry about our spouse's driving habits. Uh, we worry about if we'll be able to retire, and when we do, we worry about whether we'll find a productive way to spend all the time we have. We worry about that spot that we found that looks weird and about what the doctor might say at our next checkup. In fact, some of us are so worried about what the doctor might say that we never make the checkup with the doctor because we don't want the diagnosis, right? As long as I don't go, I don't have it, <laughs> right? We like to live in that kind of a way, some of us. In fact, I'd say that, like I say, for most of us, our life looks like the opposite of this command. It is not characterized by do not be anxious about anything. It is as if the command were be anxious about everything. Because that's where we live. You know, our, our life looks like a song that I heard recently, the opening lyrics to which go like this. Worry, 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 worry. Worry just will not leave my mind. It's a blues song. Uh, you'll be not surprised to learn, right? But can you relate to that? I bet you can if you're really weighed down by significant issues in your life. Maybe you know some friends whose marriage is coming apart, or maybe you've been diagnosed with something that isn't going to clear up on its own in a couple of days. And so we need this <coughs> command, amen? Do not be anxious about anything. But if we stop there, what we'll be doing and what we'll be spending a lot of our energy on is trying really hard not to worry about things that we are worried about. Have any of you ever, ever tried that? Remember the cowardly lion? Right? He's like, I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks, right? In the movie... Um, and we're like, and so some of us read a scripture like this and we stop right there and we go, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. And then we start to worry about whether we're being anxious, right? <laughs> don't worry, be happy makes for a catchy, catchy song, but it doesn't make for a very good strategy about how to go through life and how to deal with the worries that we encounter. How do we avoid that? Well, the scripture tells us, instead of worrying about anything, what does it say? Pray about everything. Pray about everything. We're told to pray about everything and to replace our sinful worrying. By the way, did you all know that worrying is a sin? It's a sin. We tend not to think of it that way. We tend to think of it as, well, I'm not actually worried, Pastor. I'm just concerned. <laughs> right? Just like I'm not angry. I was irritated. I was frustrated. Right? I wasn't enraged. I was annoyed greatly. Right? 
we euphemize what, what the Scripture says to us, but or at least some of us do, right? But worry is a sin. And so we're told, because it's a lack of trust in God and His love and His sovereign care for us, it's to doubt those things. And so worry is a sin. And so what we're told to do with it is to replace it with prayer to the one who can deliver us from our circumstances, whatever they are. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of y'all have trouble with your prayer life? I think one of the reasons that we have trouble, many of us, is that we try to turn prayer into a discipline. We try to turn prayer into, into doing the thing that we know we should do, right? Like, I know I should run more and eat fewer donuts, right? And so if I'm disciplined, I will eat fewer donuts and run more, right? Or I know I should, um, you know, drink less coffee or whatever, right? And we just try to do these things by discipline. And we try to, to do the same thing with prayer. And so some of us have been very good about creating a prayer list, or maybe we get the one from church, and we sit down every week, and we go through that list, and we pray, and, and we go, boy, this is, I'm glad that I'm praying. But your prayer life doesn't seem to have a lot of vitality and joy and communion with God to it. If that's true, then can I make a suggestion to you? That you need to pray to the Lord not only about the things that you know that you should. Right? Please pray for me. Please pray for Pastor Josh. Please pray for my family. Please pray for the church. Please pray for the ministries of the church and for the elders and their families. Please pray for all the people who are sick and in need. Please pray for those things. And you should pray for those things. Amen? But if those are the only things that you ever pray about, can I suggest to you that your prayer life is going to eventually become just that, just a discipline that you engage in. And it's not going to be a life-giving communion with God. One of the most freeing things somebody ever told me was I was... I was assigned, now think about this, I was a student at an evangelical seminary, and I did not know this, right? But I was assigned to go spend an entire day in prayer and Bible reading with God. And I, I looked at that and I thought, there is no way that I can do that. I've never done that in my life, and I've got to spend eight hours Praying and reading my Bible? I don't know how to do that. I was 28 years old. I'd never done that. How am I going to do that? And I said, I said to, to the guy who was helping us, who was kind of the leader, facilitator of our spiritual life group, he said, he said, Well, what do you pray about when you pray? And I said, well, you know, I try to get out my prayer list and I go through and I pray for all these people. I pray for the missionaries that I support and the ones that our church supports. And I pray for, 
this thing and that thing and people I know that are sick and all this. And I said, but you know, I just get so distracted because I then I, I get to praying and I'm and then I'm thinking about this other thing over here and I'm thinking about this and thinking about that. And he asked me the most profound question. He goes, so when those thoughts come into your mind, what do you do with them? I'm like, well, I try to push them out, you know, so I can pray. And he's like, hmm, you ever thought about praying for those? And I was like, all of a sudden I had this light bulb over my head and also I felt like a sign appeared across my forehead. Dummy. <laughs> right? Because no, it had never occurred to me that I might pray about those things too. And he said, remember, you've got to pray for the things that are in you, not just the things that should be. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Everything. Pray about everything. Not just the things you should pray for, but the things that are actually on your heart, that are actually weighing you down, that you're actually burdened by, not just the things that you feel like you should. And so all of a sudden, as I began to pray, it got a whole lot easier. Right? Because I would have a thought come into my mind and I, about something I was concerned about, and all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, I should pray about that. The Holy Spirit's probably bringing that to mind. It was, a, it was a light bulb moment for me. Oh, I should pray about that too. Oh, I'm thinking about this test I got next week. I should pray about that. Oh, I'm thinking about the car repair that I can't afford. I should pray about that. I should pray about this and I should pray about that. And you know, one of the, one of the beautiful things about going to a place like India... When I, I just got back from there a couple of weeks ago. And one of the beautiful things about that is that prayer comes very naturally to the people that we work with. And they, they say to us, you know, well, we should pray about that. And then we just do. We should pray about that. And it's what obedience to this text looks like. That, that we, as we take seriously what God says to do, that we pray about everything. That's not what most of us do. What most of us do is we pray about the things that we should, and then we talk to our friends about the other stuff. Right? I'm not against talking to your friends. It's good to have friends. It's good to share burdens with one another and bear one another's burdens. That's part of the, the commands of Scripture too. Amen? But at some point, all of these things that we bring up with our friends, we should take a moment and pray over them with them, right? About everything. Now, let me clarify a couple of other words in this verse. Uh, what are prayer and supplication? These are almost synonymous words. Um, Prayer is talking to God about something. Supplication is asking him to do something about that. And Paul encouraged us not only to pray, but to ask God to intervene in every kind of circumstance. And he tells us also to do so with thanksgiving. Well, why would we need to do that? Because Paul's assumption is that God is going to answer our prayers, and as a result of that, 
we're going to have some things to thank him for. Does God answer our prayers? Say it with me. Yes, he does. He answers many of our prayers. Many of them. And, and sometimes I think that we get so blessed by the things that he does answer that we forget to be thankful for the things that he has blessed us with. And so Paul says, pray about everything. Talk to God about it. Ask him to, to, to deal with it. And then when he does, be thankful. When he does, be thankful. Do we forget to pray? Yeah. Do we forget to be thankful when God answers? Yeah, that's why we have the command. But we want to have, take the opportunity to spread the word, by the way, just as widely about God's answer as we did about our need. Sometimes we're reluctant to do that. But, you know, we'll, we'll come to... We'll come to the church family in need and we'll, we'll say, would you guys pray for me because i got this coming up. And, and then like weeks go by, right? Well, how did that go? Oh, that turned out great. But we ought to be as widely thankful as we are widely in need. Amen? That we ought to um, praise God as to as many people as we requested prayer from so they can celebrate with us and praise God alongside us about what God has done amen and if you do that we have this beautiful promise verse 7 look at that look at your look at your Bible again and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus if you respond to the challenges of a life of, with prayer like this, the challenges of life, if you meet them with prayer like this, that you pray about everything with thanksgiving, then God promises His peace. And His peace is far better than anything the world can give. You cannot buy his peace from a bottle of, at Walgreens. You cannot get his peace from one at the liquor store either. God's peace surpasses all understanding. You know, those kind of treatments do deaden the pain for a while. They do. For a while, you feel better. But what you need is God's peace. And, they, and God's praying to God will help to actually deal at the root level with what is actually troubling you. And according to the word, His peace surpasses all understanding. Can you testify to that? About something you were seriously worried about, deeply burdened by, and you prayed about, and God gave you His peace? Because I can. Uh, many, many circumstances where I was stressed and worried and troubled and burdened and prayed, and I had peace. 
God's peace, by the way, does not come from making all of our problems go away, although sometimes God does do that. But we get His peace because we have put our problem in His hands and trusted Him to deal with it and left it there. In the hands of a loving Father who is completely trustworthy and completely capable of dealing with every single worrisome thing that we encounter. And because he loves us, we can also just entirely leave them there. Just leave it there. And I think that's what Paul means when he says that God's peace is incomprehensible and that it will guard our hearts and our minds. Paul knows, by the way, what guarding is. You know, he is writing this letter from prison. He is literally chained up to a Roman guard, and he's writing this letter about pray about everything and give thanks for God's answers in all kinds of circumstances. That Roman guard watches over Paul day and night. And and God's promise to us is that as we pray about everything and entrust it to God and refuse to worry about it because we've left it with Him, that God's peace watches over us like a guard all day and all night. Is this good? This is good stuff. This is good stuff. These are good promises. God gives us this promise that if we pray about everything with thanksgiving, then he will kill our worries by replacing them with his peace. God is so good to love us like this. Amen? He really is. And we need to pour our hearts out to him every day and share with him not only the things that we should pray about, but also the things that weigh us down and burden our souls that we cannot let go of. You find yourself worrying, as I often do. What do you need to do? You need to pray. Find yourself worrying about it again. What do you need to do? Pray. Say, Lord, you promised me your peace. I need your peace. I'm going to pray about this again. I'm going to leave it with you. And in case I'm tempted to take it when I go, help me leave it in your hands. Because I know that you're a good God who loves me and is fully trustworthy to deal with this this situation. It's a simple passage, a couple simple verses, but deeply transformative to your life if you obey it. Amen? good promises if we to hang on to if we embrace it. So let's pray. Father, I know that many of your people probably came this morning worried and burdened by a variety of things. And so, Father, we are thankful for your great promises and your precious commands that tell us what to do in such circumstances that we can simultaneously kill our worries and receive your peace that watches over us day and night 
if we will simply pray about all things with thanksgiving and leave them with you. Father, we, we don't have to worry at night. We can sleep in peace because you're going to be up anyway. And you can, you can watch over us far better than we can watch over ourselves. Father, we know that you give us these things because you are good and you love us and you want us to have a, a life that is set free from worry as we trust in your strong and loving and capable hands. Father, help us not to worry. Help us to pray and to seek you in every circumstance and every part of every day. And Father, we pray that you might help us to enjoy the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.